welcome to The Parent Pod, a happy place to find out all about pregnancy and the start of parenthood from the information-packed babycentre.co.uk. Hello, I'm Lucy. And I'm Claire. And we're here with a podcast for every week of your pregnancy, full of really useful takeaway information, candid admissions from our own experiences, having both had two children, and top advice from experts. We won't leave you holding the baby either. This podcast series takes you right up to when your new baby is 12 weeks old. So Claire, what do you think people need to hear at this early stage of having a newborn? Well, I think that's a hard one. I mean, I can think of plenty of things people said that I'd rather they hadn't. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Like, you still look pregnant or, oh, just let the housework go. It really doesn't matter. Or that great advice of sleep when the baby sleeps. But I mean, what actually really helped you? Well, I had one of my best friends come to stay with me in the first week and they were just super supportive and had some really great tips as they had two children already. So I found tips from someone who'd recently been through it were really helpful. Oh, yeah, me too. I had a friend like that. And uh, yeah, they give the best advice, don't they? And yep. of course, it's always good when people say how beautiful your baby is. Oh, I... you can never not like that, can you? No, can't get enough of that. And if you're feeling a bit clueless about this whole baby shenanigans this week, then our antenatal teacher has some great tips. And we're covering feeding in lots of detail too. Speaking of baby, let's find out what's happening at two weeks. What's happening for baby? She's like a little athlete, that baby of yours, growing stronger every day. Yeah, she's busy using all of her natural reflexes and all of that sucking, grasping, rooting and blinking. It's giving her a proper little workout. Even though she's tiny, you may find that sometimes she catches your eye and really looks at you. Oh yeah, the baby stare, it's hilarious. But just by looking back, smiling and chatting, you're building that bond. Honestly, it's so easy to think at this stage that they're not that aware, but they're soaking it all up like a sponge. Oh, they really are. And of course, you're no stranger to crying at this stage. Baby or parents? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking baby, but I'm sure parents too. Yeah. Some babies are pretty placid and some cry a lot more. Yeah, I found it quite hard to know what was normal. You've not really got anything to compare it to, have you? No, but if your baby is crying for hours on end, then it's a good idea to mention it to your midwife or health visitor and see whether she's got colic. Between 5 to 20% of babies get it at some point. What's happening for you? Before we get down to it, I've got my serious hat on. Oh, steady, love. I know, it's not like me, but it's worth just saying that at this point, you might be feeling all sorts of things. Sometimes the baby blues are fleeting and not too bad, but sometimes they can really floor you, can't they? Yeah, they really can. So if you're feeling that your postnatal symptoms are a bit overwhelming, then do let your midwife or GP or health visitor know, won't you? We've talked about this before, haven't we? But sometimes it's not until you're in it that you realise how hard it can be. And again, we've said it before, but your midwife, GP or health visitor will have dealt with this so many times with other mums who are feeling this way. They won't be surprised and they're there to help. Right. Public service broadcast over. Let's talk relationships. Well, seriously, at this stage. I know. I'm not suggesting you dig out your crotchless knickers and whip up a souffle. (laughs) I'm talking far more basic. Let's keep this realistic. Yeah, your baby's so all-consuming and it's often heads down, plough on, and your relationship can be a bit forgotten, I suppose. I know. So come on, guys, you're in this together. We've dug out some top tips on the Baby Centre website, which I think we could probably both have benefited from following. What do you think, Lucy? Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so what do you think can smooth the way for dads and partners in the fourth trimester? Well, the top tip is giving them time to have some skin to skin with the baby. Everyone's a winner here. It's a great way for your partner to spend some time bonding with his newborn. 
And often dads are really good at this, aren't they? I suppose they don't smell of milk. Yeah, maybe you do hear quite a bit about babies who settle really well on their dad's chest. And who doesn't love a hairy chest to lie their head on, eh? (laughs) Oh, snuggly. And of course, this is great for your baby to build that bond. But it can also give you a bit of space, can't it? Well, just even time to go to the toilet and have a cup of tea. (laughs) Yeah, my friend calls it a spa morning when she gets to have a shower on her own. And sometimes it's tempting to always split your time to try to give each other a break. But actually, with those mundane things like supermarket trips or going for a walk, sometimes it's worth planning to go together so you just get some time to have a nice chat. It's actually quite precious, isn't it? Whatever you're doing, even if it's just a kind of a boring mundane trip, just to go out and have your new normal family unit. Yeah, you're both on leave, so why not take the opportunity? Yeah, I also remember that we kind of lowered our standards a bit on the old meals and definitely just got in a few more takeaways, just so we had a bit more time together in the evening. That was nice. Too much to ask. Our embarrassing question this week is, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Claire, do you remember feeling this way? Oh, yes. I think we all felt a bit clueless at times. And actually, I think that sometimes the information we read to like prepare ourselves yeah. can make it worse because they all just start to contradict each other. Oh, yeah. I remember so many of my friends said how they'd barely even held a baby until they had their own. Talk about a steep learning curve. Wow, definitely. You learn really quickly that whatever ideas and theories you may have had about how you do things, suddenly you have this like little individual who has ideas all of their own and they're letting you know about it. But of course, you're not alone in this. We asked Chess, our antenatal expert, to tell us about some of the most common worries that new parents have at this stage. Newborn babies are kind of different to what you might have had in your head. And that's probably not helped by the babies that you see in, in magazines and on adverts. So those babies are smiling they're kind of chubby gorgeous uh, responsive and your newborn is is still not able to smile probably still kind of skinny looking and maybe not that attractive in terms of how babies look of course in your eyes the most beautiful baby in the world so there is this sort of disconnect sometimes to what we've had in our heads of what our baby's going to be like and how our baby's going to be and the realities of looking after your baby your little newborn who needs feeding very very frequently and is crying a lot and maybe not sleeping when you want them to One of the reasons why babies are often more awake at night than during the day is because their little pineal glands in their brains aren't producing melatonin yet. Now, melatonin is a hormone that helps us to feel sleepy. Babies aren't able to produce this for themselves for the first eight weeks. So it's understandable that they're not getting those cues that it's time to go to bed. Over time, the more you expose your baby to daylight, keep things nice and quiet and gloomy at night then their pineal gland will gradually get the hang of it and start to produce this melatonin there is melatonin in your breast milk and those cluster feeds in the evening when your baby is feeding very frequently and doesn't seem to want to settle are great so your baby's getting a nice lot of breast milk full of melatonin and then eventually they will conk out and they usually have their longest sleep of the night after they've done those cluster feeds So when your baby's about two weeks old, you may well have realised that your baby doesn't want to fall asleep without being in contact with you. And that's really normal. If you think about the womb to world transition, your baby's used to being surrounded and held all the time and they want to feel that support and comfort all the time too. At night, you may well have found that you're co-sleeping with your baby because you can't your baby will not settle down into Moses' basket or the cot. Now, co-sleeping is one of those controversial topics where it's not recommended. The guidance for the safest place for your baby to sleep is generally not co-sleeping. However, the realities of being a parent mean that sometimes that's the only way you as a family are going to get any sleep. So it's important to know about 
how to co-sleep safely, when not to do it and how to do it safely. So when not to do it, ideally not in the first three months. However, we're at the stage where your baby wants to be with you. So let's make sure we do it safely. Don't co-sleep with your baby if you've been drinking or you've taken some drugs that are making you very sleepy or if you are really, really tired. If you're sharing a bed with your partner, make sure that you are both aware that the baby is in bed with you. If you've got a toddler, don't have the toddler in bed with you and your baby. If you are wanting to co-sleep, make the surface that you're co-sleeping on safe. The most dangerous place that you can co-sleep with your baby is on on the sofa or on armchair. If you fall asleep and your baby slips down the side of you into one of the crevices, that's, you know, really not not safe for your baby at all. And this is one of the the things which has been so sad about how co-sleeping has been unsupported for so many years is that sometimes parents have thought, oh, I can't sleep with my baby in bed, so I'll go down into the living room and I'll just have them with me on, on the sofa or the armchair. Well, actually, that is much, much worse. So get your bed ready for co-sleeping you want a nice flat surface a firm mattress keep the bedding light make sure that there isn't a pillow near your baby's head if you're breastfeeding your baby is very likely to be protected by you lying in a sort of c shape and your baby's head is going to be at boob level so it's not going to be anywhere near the pillow you might want to use a tog rated sleeping bag which is right for the the right sort of tog for the time of year and sometimes it's recommended that you use sheets and blankets rather than a duvet to keep yourself warm and don't have the sheets or blankets or the duvet above your waist height so you might need to sort of have an extra layer to keep you warm but something that you can lift up to to feed your baby if you are breastfeeding one way around this is to have um, a cot that butts up against the side of the bed so that means that your baby you can easily reach your baby to feed but they're not actually on the same surface as you Uh, no no with co-sleeping is if either of you are smokers that really increases the risk of sudden infant death syndrome and if your baby is premature or low birth weight again it's not recommended that you have your baby in bed with you So you might want to swaddle your baby as a way of helping them adapt from womb to world. Swaddling is great for this because it makes them feel enclosed and safe and secure. However, there's some guidelines around safe swaddling. So first of all, make sure you've got the right material to swaddle your baby in. Don't use anything that's going to make your baby overheat. So a cotton or cellular blanket or a big muslin square is ideal. You need to fold the corner of the of the blanket assuming it's a rectangular square fold the corner down so that you're not covering your baby's head so you lay your baby down on the material so that they're the sort of diagonal is is where their neck is and then you've got the extra material on either side and at the bottom of them to wrap around them so when you wrap your baby up when you're swaddling them you bring the material over from one side to the other tuck it under bring the bottom bit up and tuck that in and then again the other side bring that over and tuck under you want to make sure it's not too tight. You should not have your baby's knees together. The baby needs to be able to move their hips freely. So make sure that they can lift their legs up like they're a frog. And that's going to protect their hips. If you swaddle too tightly with their knees together, it affects the hip joint and it could increase the, the chance of them developing hip dysplasia, which obviously you don't want your baby to have. Another thing to bear in mind when you're swaddling your baby is if they like to suck their thumb. If they do, and it helps them to settle themselves or soothe themselves, obviously leave the preferred thumb out so that they can can suck on it. Also, when you've swaddled your baby, always lay them down on their back. That's part of the safe sleep advice. The other thing about swaddling is it's most likely to work and be useful while your baby is newborn. Some babies even at that stage, don't like it and they 
they soon get the feeling of having their limbs nice and free and they don't like being swaddled. So you might find it only works for you for a short period of time. It's not a good idea to introduce swaddling later on. There's some some recommendations around swaddling are that you use swaddling every time you put your baby down to sleep. However, that might not suit you. You might find that you just need to do it and your baby's particularly unsettled or it might suit you to do it for their afternoon or morning naps. It's kind of up to you. So another thing you might have heard of is tongue tie. A tongue tie happens when there's a string of tissue under your baby's tongue, which attaches her tongue to the floor of her mouth. So it stops your baby from moving their tongue around freely or sticking the tip of their tongue out. Tongue tie, some babies can have tongue tie and it can be no problem at all. It doesn't interfere with feeding or anything. However, sometimes it can cause problems with, with breastfeeding if your baby can't suck very well. It means that they might not be able to feed long enough at the breast. They might be struggling to put weight on. And it can also make your nipples sore and cracked. So if you are feeling a bit sore, it might be worth getting the midwife or health visitor to check out whether your baby's got a tongue tie. If it's causing problems, you can have an appointment to have it snipped by a trained nurse, midwife or doctor. You've probably heard a lot about womb to world or maybe the fourth trimester. So during the fourth trimester, be kind to yourselves. You as parents, if you're new parents, you're on a massive learning curve. You're learning how to look after your new baby. You're learning how to cope with not much sleep. The dynamics in your relationship has probably changed. You may be feeling very different about yourself and about your body. You've got all this stuff going on. Be kind to yourselves and give yourselves a bit of time to get used to being mum being dad oh that is exactly what you need to hear at this stage be kind to yourselves yeah i like the phrase womb to world thanks to chess that was really useful what do you expect this week if you're breastfeeding then it might be taking up quite a lot of your thoughts right now some women are lucky enough to take to it like a duck to water for others it's a real challenge you're being polite there claire it is very hard for some of us like me I know this is another one of those things where you can read up, do your homework, but there's still no guarantees that it will run smoothly. I think breastfeeding cafes, baby cafes, whatever they're called in your area, they're a great way to get support with feeding. Somewhere you can ask questions and get help with things like positioning. And they're just a way of getting out of the house. Speaking to grown-ups, making friends, I literally became obsessed with getting out of the house. Yeah, those groups can be a, a total lifeline when you've just had a baby. So what are some of the common problems with breastfeeding, apart from spurting nipples? Spurting? A friend of mine was feeding in a regular cafe and her baby came off the breast for a moment, but her milk carried on coming, a bit like water out of a 40 shower head when it spurts in every direction. And she caught a man sitting at the next table. (laughs) Oh no, what did he do? Well, he just kind of wiped his face and just didn't mention it. <laughs> How awkward. Oh, no, <laughs> there are so many issues around breastfeeding that we can't cover everything here. But let's look at a few that come up on Baby Centre. So sore nipples is a really common concern and really you don't have to grin and bear it, do you? No, they're a sign that the positioning isn't ideal, aren't they? Yeah, this is where having someone experienced who can watch you feed and make a few changes can really help. If your baby isn't latching on well, then ask to have her check for tongue tie. So this is where the tongue will be less flexible because the strip of skin that attaches her tongue to the bottom of her mouth could be too short. If she can't move her tongue freely, it may make it harder for her to latch on. It's a simple procedure to fix that can make a big difference. Both of my babies had it and had their tongue ties cut, but I wouldn't have had a clue. I didn't notice it. It was the midwife that spotted it. Yeah, it's a really good thing to look for. And what about leaky boobs? That was a shocker. 
you're just like having a conversation with someone and then only <laughs> later you realise that you've been sitting there with two massive round patches over your nipples from where you've leaked. <laughs> it's a strong look. Uh, yeah, yeah, breast pads are, are your friend, aren't they? You can get disposable ones or reusable ones and they're definitely something to have in your changing bag as it's not just the baby that needs changing at times. No. And another big worry is milk supply. Are you making enough? Are you making too much? Is your baby having enough milk? It's really hard when you can't actually see what's going into them. Lucy, you've given us a poo guide before, haven't you? But just remind us. Every baby's different, but on average, expect to see between three and five yellow loose poos, about the size of a two pound coin and between five and eight wet nappies a day. Always good to know. And of course, your midwife or health visitor will be monitoring your baby's weight. So they'll be able to let you know if she's heading in the right direction. What else do mums ask about? Feeding in public can be a biggie for a lot of women. It's useful to know that in England, Scotland and Wales, there's a specific law that protects your right to breastfeed your baby wherever you want to. So don't let someone say you can't. So, for example, a cafe owner can't stop you from breastfeeding or refuse to serve you. In Northern Ireland, you're protected by sex discrimination laws and they're in the process of introducing specific laws to protect breastfeeding babies and their mums too. It's a bit of a palaver to begin with, but you do get the hang of feeding without feeling as though you're on display for all to see. I think a bit of clever clothing helps and you don't have to buy special feeding tops, although they can be good. Yeah, and sometimes you can get them secondhand or have them passed on by friends, can't you? That's right, yeah. And I was a great fan of the vest top underneath and the loose top over the top so that you can pull the loose top up, pull the top of the vest down and job done. The vest covers your tummy and your side and the loose top covers the top of your breast. Genius. And some mums choose to use a breastfeeding cover or a scarf or muslin draped over the top. Yeah, I totally relied on my cover and cushion, went everywhere with them. It's just what I needed to feel comfortable. But other people are far better at being discreet and comfortable than I was. Yeah, and some mums will not want to use a cover at all. I had a couple of friends who refused to. I can't remember whether I had a cover or not. I do still remember getting mastitis twice, though. Oh, I bet you do. Ouchie. Mastitis is something to really look out for. It's an inflammation of the breast tissue. So if you can feel that an area of your breast is red, hot, sore, hard or swollen, or if you can feel a lump, then you may well have mastitis. I also had flu-like symptoms. About one in 10 breastfeeding mums will get mastitis and it's important to keep feeding from the breast that's affected, even though it may be painful. If you don't, it's likely to get worse. Oh, yeah. And if you start to feel poorly with flu-like symptoms or if the symptoms in your breast don't clear up, then the advice is to see your GP. They can prescribe antibiotics that are safe for you to take whilst you're breastfeeding. Yeah, this is definitely one to get help with. Don't sit and suffer. There's so much more we could talk about here, but we put a link in the show notes to the information on the Baby Centre website. So whatever your question about breastfeeding, you should be able to find tons of info on there. Okay, maternity pads and breast pads in place. You're (laughs) all set. So that's it for another week. As always, please remember that the podcast don't replace medical advice and you should always speak to your own doctor or midwife if you have any concerns. We hope you stay well, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time for week three with your newborn. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Parent Pod. If you'd like more expert advice and information, chat to others at your stage of pregnancy or get emails tailored to you and your baby. Download the Baby Centre app now or visit babycentre.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Baby Centre UK. All the info we cover in each episode is linked in our show notes. If you loved our podcast and found it useful, please rate and review The Parent Pod wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to share it with your partner and friends.